Hey, it's Chris. The podcast is not dead. Far from it. Uh, things have just been a little bit interesting lately. Let me explain a little bit. What's up with all of my content? The podcast, the main channel, Apple Hype, etc., etc., etc. Let's start with Apple Hype. Apple Hype was always an experiment. It started out as kind of a blog, three things every day. It was kind of cool. A lot of people latched on, took up you know a decent amount of my time, but it seemed kind of worth it in that format. But it wasn't quite where I wanted it to be. Took a break. And then I decided, uh, you know, how can I reinvent this to, to make it something that is what I really want it to be, something different, because as a creator, I'm always trying to diversify what it is that I'm offering out there and not just have all my eggs in the same single YouTube basket um, for reasons that I think I've talked about before. And so, yeah, uh, Apple Hype, I experimented and the experiment ended up being cool. I produced, I think, an interesting, compelling product that a lot of people were, again, latching onto. But, uh, you know, as somebody told me on Twitter, there's only so much that I can do. And it really ended up stealing a lot of time, a lot of my energy um, from the main channel, which is, you know, the bread and butter for the company. And so Apple Hype cannot continue. That's just plain and simple, uh, you know, with, with the current amount of staff and it just, that wasn't going to be able to continue. And honestly, like my stats on the YouTube channel were going down, um, the main channel and it just wasn't tenable. So for everybody asking and wondering, that's the deal with Apple hype. And for right now, it's probably on a permanent hiatus that said, um, now that I've reclaimed some time from that, I just hit the ground running. It was like a whole day just a whole different channel almost when I popped back onto the YouTube, the main YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash daily tag. And that's what I'm talking about. Cause I know I've got a few and yeah, I mean, I pumped out five videos one week, four videos the next week, three videos this week. Actually, I'm recording this on Friday. What is it? Friday the 7th. I'm not sure if I'll get this actually published today or not, but I feel like they were, they were good videos in that I offered a lot of value, put a lot of time, research, thought, and just, you know, personal effort and opinion into them. And wow, the, I mean, the stats just speak for themselves. And I'm blown away um, that, you know, it's just so clear now. When I when I look at what was happening, what I was trying to do, and this is the diversification trap for anybody out there, you know, who's doing some entrepreneurial stuff. You know, like I need to diversify and you got to experiment. You know, it doesn't matter if you're experimenting with your content, the kind of content that you're producing, or if you're experimenting with platforms and just, you know, time, how you should divide that up. But it was just so clear when I, when I looked at the stats and where my time and effort needed to necessarily mostly be. Uh, and that is the main channel. Now the podcast, that's something different now. Well, let's talk about that too. It's been a while since the podcast was going and I know I get on the mic here and I talk about uh, you know, here's what's going to happen with the podcast. And then that's not exactly what happens with the podcast. That's because, you know, I'm still, I've been experimenting. This is like episode 52 or so now. And, um, you know, I started this before MKBHD started his and he's into like the sixties with his episodes. Cause he'd been more consistent. Of course he does have a, a much bigger staff, but you know, I, I want to be consistent here. I felt like I was getting bogged down with this idea of it had to be a video podcast. And just being one person, there's just almost, you know, I can only edit so much stuff. That's what it comes down to. Um, and so I've really, really been thinking about, you know, should I hire the, is this the time? Hire an editor, even if it's just for the podcast. And then I just get back to, it's not really about somebody's skills as an editor, but it's, you know, an editor for my content is making editorial choices. It's not just about, um, you know, the technical skill, but but what gets included or left out, those decisions that I make as I'm doing the edit myself, those are, you know, potentially big decisions. Um, and then if somebody needs to run something by me anyways, and I need to say, well, let's put this back in or let's take this back out or, you know, then it's not really freeing up my time as much as maybe I had hoped. And um, so I don't know, I, I'm just kind of in this weird spot right now. But I, I love the audio version of this podcast, and I think other people do too. And I'm looking at some some comments that I got on Twitter. People giving me some feedback. And here was my tweet. I said, I've seriously neglected the podcast. That's you guys listening right now, and I need to make it a priority. I got an email from Transistor FM, that's the podcast host, by the way, saying I need to upgrade my hosting plan because the podcast is getting so many downloads, even though I haven't uploaded much recently. 
And that was kind of mind-blowing, too. You look at the stats, the stats don't lie. And, of course, I think a lot of those downloads are being driven by people who are probably new to the podcast, who are discovering it because the content is going wild over on the main channel. And maybe not. But then I went on to tweet this. Apple hype had really bogged me down. Now that I've paused, the main channel is really flourishing. Also, I had this notion that the podcast needed to be a video podcast, but I really don't think it does. It really has its own life as purely an audio thing. And that's how I'm feeling right now. So here's what Jose said. Jose said, I think this shows that people are mainly interested in what you have to say rather than the presentation itself, which is great. The latest videos have been more podcast-like, so it makes sense that the podcast got more attention. Looking forward to it. Interesting thoughts. Eric also chimed in and he he said this, uh, which I appreciate. You can only do so much, Chris. And I think the audio is more accessible for the podcast and it complements the YouTube channel nicely. And I like that I because here's the thing. Like, I want to be on the cutting edge, right? Video podcasts have really taken off over the last couple of years. And it just seems like it's the thing to do, especially in the tech space. I'm a tech guy. I got a lot of tech. And, you know, why shouldn't I have the, the capability to do that? But, of course, it comes down to manpower and, and hours. Um, but I really do appreciate the sentiment. Um, also, first of all, you guys understanding, you know, that I'm just one Chris. But uh, there is something about the audio and being a, a compliment to the video on the YouTube. I hear all the time people are like, well, I, we feel like we get to experience a different side of Chris. Some people call it the, the realer side of Chris, which there's a little bit of truth in. It's not like I'm some fake person on the, the video side, but, you know, oftentimes, like like lately, when it's a really information-dense video, uh, you know, I do script that, and I don't read from a teleprompter or anything. People ask me this all the time. I never do that, but I do get my thoughts out, you know, ahead of time if it's if it's that type of a video. If it's an unboxing or something where I'm experiencing something, I don't put a lot of, you know, pre-thinking into what I'm going to say. That's just the the raw experience kind of, the off-the-top kind of thing. But for an information-dense thing like a comparison video or a review, then, yeah, I, I really try to make that as valuable as I can for people, which requires a lot of research and effort and saying just the right thing just the right way. And if I don't say it right, I'll say it again, and I'll edit out the other part. So you do end up getting a, an edited Chris, and it's the real Chris, but it's an edited Chris that maybe is a little more polished um, and less off the cuff. And so I understand that sentiment of like, well, we feel like we connect with you in a different way on the audio. And you do. It's true. And that's why I like it, too. But uh, I, I really do appreciate the support. I, and, you know, you guys have been there as I've been experimenting. I mean, somebody out there has been writing with this podcast since episode one which is awesome. Uh, probably lots of people. And, um, you know, even when there's a little break here and there, you guys are back at it, you know, when I drop a new episode and I just couldn't appreciate you guys more as I get this all figured out as the business does grow. Um, and you know, as we, you know, work on consistency on all the different platforms, um, where I think it makes sense for me to be, uh, I just want you guys to know, I really appreciate you. Now let's get into some other stuff. Oh, Hey, we can talk about, um, kind of the new, style of the set uh that's going on right now i had in my head picture some of the recent videos okay from the last two weeks um there's been two shots kind of like a closer in more cropped in view of my head you know for when i'm really saying something that maybe matters or when i don't have any b-roll any product shots and it's kind of like the pretty shot um and then there's an ultra wide angle And so for you technical people out there, I'm shooting that cropped in angle at 35 millimeters. And then, and I want to get a new lens that that has a little extra bokeh blur on there. Um, I think it's a 2.8 right now. So I want a 35 that is like a 1.4. And then I've got a super ultra wide. It's a 10 millimeter, which is really, really wide. Does cause some distortion. And I cut between those two angles. Oftentimes it's when I did what I've just described when I said something, but I, I wanted to say it differently or it didn't come out quite right. Or sometimes it just feels natural. It's like a little transition. And I think it'd hold interest to cut between the two angles. Uh, I've got the two cameras, like one is literally right under the other. So it kind of provides the illusion that I'm looking at both, um, even though I'm usually looking at that 35 mil angle. Um, and if you pay attention to the, the ultra wide shot, you'll see, I'm just looking just a little bit above it usually. But I think if people are watching on their phone in particular, most people probably wouldn't notice. So that's the setup. I've moved that desk into the center of this space. And of course, you know, this is like a special studio room that I had treated with extra insulation. Obviously I stuck that wood background in there. It's real wood. Um, and, and you know, there's some storage that's 
you know, particularly suited and custom for what I'm doing. But I had it in my head when I, you know, did this, uh, when I, when I was putting this together, planning it, which admittedly <laughs> I probably could have planned a little bit better, um, that that wood wall is all that could be showing. And for a long time I tried to keep it like just that wood wall because that was the thing. Like that was part of the personality of this space. And then lately I said, you know what? I, I want an ultra wide angle. I want to try something a little bit different. And so I'm going to show the the side walls, which are no, you know, there's nothing special about those. They're just regular walls. And so I've been doing that. I can light them up with some different lights. I've got these four little aperture lights, um, which were actually the MC something or others. I don't know what they were. This, the, whatever is, is like a $500 set for these really cool um, color changing magnetic lights uh, that you can, you know, control with your phone. They're, they're made for like video. It's not like stuff that you would put at your desk, like a hue light strip or a life X strip or something. So they're made for video, nice and flicker free. And that's what you see lighting up the space, um, back there. But I've embraced the space instead of trying to hide the, the walls, you know, and pretend like it's not just a normal room with a wood background, which it is. And it's working out really well. I, I really like it. Some people, no, actually, I've had nothing but good feedback. The the weird feedback comes from that ultra wide angle when I put my phone down <laughs> on the desk and the phone like gets stretched out just because of that ultra wide. And people are like, whoa, he's got the iPhone 35 and it looks really tall, but it's not. That's that's just, uh, you know, the angle of distortion there. Or people will be like, oh, he's his got super huge uh, hands or he's got like alien arms. They're so stretched out. Now, the the thing that's not been good about this studio space is the echo. The echo has been terrible and I've experimented with a bunch of different mics and I don't know. There was, uh, I'm not even gonna tell you which video. You, some of you will just know. There was a video recently had to do with an iPad stand and the audio was just botched. It was just terrible and uh, I hated to put it out, but you know, sometimes that's just what you got to do. And that was also due to an experiment which obviously didn't work. And so that's why you guys have seen this microphone arm. People keep asking what the arm is because it's a crazy beast. I'm not sure the actual model, but uh, it's the Ultima arm for those of you wondering. And I don't, I, I'm not super fond of this look. I have it there because, you know, this Rode mic mounted on this arm makes for non-echoey audio and without any treatment in the room. And I'm going to eventually try to move away from that. I ordered a bunch of Elgato um, foam pads. I forget what they were actually called, but, but you know, they're supposed to be like multi-layer foam pads. Uh, so the idea being you don't have to get one for the base. You don't have to get one for the mids and highs. It's just kind of all in one piece of foam. I don't know how they're going to work. I ordered several packs and I'm going to get those installed. I just haven't yet. And so you'll probably see those on the walls of the studio in that ultra wide shot. And then Jonathan Morrison recommended a, a mic that would be good for um, a smaller space that has a lot of hard echoey surfaces. You guys don't think about it, you know, unless you're a YouTuber or a streamer, because even like your desk, even I'm sitting at a desk, that's a reflective hard surface that just complicates all the echo issues. This is a carpeted room, so that helps. But that's the only thing that's really helping. So hopefully the, the foam helps. If that makes a difference and if I get this other mic, I'll be pretty happy because I, I don't like having the mic in the shot personally and I feel like I want to get it out. So that's what I'm working on. Consequently, for those of you wondering, a, a lot of the YouTubers in the tech space that you see are using um, an MKH50 microphone. It's sort of a, a legendary microphone from TV, uh, video, you know, like Hollywood, like movie stuff on a boom arm um, that produces really crisp, good audio in, in indoor situations often. It's kind of expensive. It's over $1,000. The mic that uh, Jonathan recommended, I appreciate him reaching out. Like, I was surprised. He must have been following the conversation. I, he, he does that from time to time. Re, you know, he he's, comes through a lot uh, with the recommendation. So shout out, appreciate it. But, um, you know, he recommended a mic that was like half the price. He's like, you know what? I've got both and I prefer this other one. That's, that's what I end up using a lot of the time. So I think I probably will give that one a try. Anyways, I'm looking forward to getting that audio dialed in and getting the mic off of the table. And at some point I may switch up that table too. Um, cause the crazy pattern, it is different, but I don't know. I'm growing a little tired of it. It's just, I wanted something that was different, kind of more signature. So some people like it. Some people don't I'll tell you what else. Some people don't like is the spinning sticks 
that sculpture behind me um, that you guys have been seeing recently. Now, this is funny because that thing has been with me since the beginning, since when I built a studio uh, from scratch, a little eight by eight square out of wood, uh, me and my dad in my old garage. Uh, in that first studio, I had this spinning stick sculpture uh, and people loved it. It was, a, you know, talked about it all the time. And then, you know, I don't know. I, I took the batteries out. It is actually battery powered. For those of you wondering, it's not a real perpetual motion machine, of course, but it looks like it. But, you know, I, I moved it up into the office and then I put it in storage and I just had to use it for a while. So, you know, I found it and I was like, oh, maybe I'll bring it back for a little bit. And I did. And my goodness, there's so many comments about it. People love it or hate it. In fact, I got a Twitter poll going right now. I stuck it out there and uh, I said, are you pro or anti swinging sticks in my background? And so far, Swinging Sticks Forever has 73% of the votes, while the Sticks Must Go has 27% of the votes. So there's about a third of people who really don't like it. They're a very vocal third, though. They're like, man, I got ADHD. I just can't even pay attention. I'm, I'm unsubscribing. I just, or, or I'll put it on in the background. I'm not going to listen, or I'm not going to watch. I'm only going to listen. And so they're very divisive. I, and who would know, you know, like, you're just like, I'm going to put this cool thing in the background and then people are very opinionated about everything. I may keep it around though for now because I'm really liking it. Eventually, maybe I'll put something else back there. There was a, you know, I'm always thinking about stuff to do in the background. And the funny thing is there was this company called Black Dove uh, who makes some cool art stuff and they had a screen. It was actually an LG screen and they make this really interesting, well, screen basically that's dedicated for digital art. And who knows, I, I, the last time I talked to them, this is long before the NFT conversation was going. Um, but there's like a subscription, they pipe in all this great art, or you can buy the art pieces and display it on this great, um, LG screen. But anyways, we were kind of in conversation like, well, should we put that in the background or should we not? And, um, I guess that kind of didn't happen. Uh, not really sure why, I guess we just kind of quit talking to each other, but I know I kind of told them, well, you know, uh, I'm not sure I want to cover up the wood because it's kind of the signature and also, you know, with, with this cool art, it might be kind of distracting. And so I think that maybe is when they kind of um, were like, well, forget it. I don't know. But isn't that funny? Because I could sort of put the brakes on that because I was worried about it being distracting. And then here's this thing, which I thought that's just cool. And it's turned out to be apparently very distracting for people. Not enough that they don't watch and comment and, and enjoy and get value out of the videos, at least 70% of people. But I, uh, I think we'll move on and tell you guys about... Um, the sandal scandal that's been going on around the house. <laughs> and what I mean is I ordered some shoes and sandals, some new Nikes. Uh, I had like a, a toe that was like a little bit sore when I was walking. So I was like, well, I'm going to find some really comfortable Nikes, get them ordered. And I found some, I forget the exact model. So I apologize, but they had like a little air cushion right under the ball of the foot. They're like super running shoes, even though I'm not going to run on them. And really excited about those. And also, because it was summer, I decided to pick up, you know, the latest Nike sandals. Now, I had some slides already from Adidas, which I really like, but they weren't comfortable for walking. And, you know, when it's nice out, we like to get out, get some exercise, and, and do some good, like, walking. So the Adidas slides were uncomfortable. They're, they're good for, like, around the house or, like, going out to the store, you know, hit the P.O. box, pick up some packages, but they weren't good for like an hour long walk. So I saw that Nike had some hiking sandals and you know, it's Nike hiking sandals. seemed like it'd be good for walking, uh, ordered them. They came with the shoes. I'm sitting there unboxing these and my wife <laughs> sees, you know, I think I opened the sandals first. She sees the sandals and immediately bursts out into uncontrollable laughter. And this is unusual when I open something and she sees and uh, turns out, uh, you know, I'm immediately like kind of self-conscious. She wasn't in on the purchase, you know, um, she just sees it arriving and me taking it out. And she feels like she had the same sandals basically in high school. And here was Chris all excited <laughs> to get these <laughs> sandals that she thought were exactly the same. And um, yeah, those, those went right back in the box. Uh, printed out the return label and they're headed back. I felt kind of bad. Like, man, she, <laughs> it wasn't like she was trying to be mean. Um, it was, it was just uncontrollable laughter on her part. Um, it was an instant reaction. And so, yeah, 
I refer to it as the sandal scandal now uh, around here because I was all excited, you know. And but of course, her being my wife, I really I don't care about what most people think, but I do care what she thinks. <laughs> and there's no way I could wear these around if she couldn't take me seriously. So anyways, I'm back to being um, a Nike sandal hiking sandal free once again. Have you guys ever had that though? When you're like really excited about something and and you just didn't see it from a certain angle or something. Like these had like heels on it or something. She says, I, I saw it from the side profile. I'm just like, Oh, those are just rugged, like kind of like hiking. I wouldn't wear these like normally, you know, but they seemed like they'd stay on the foot, be comfortable. But she's like, no, it has a heel. And, and you know, the straps are like, just like the ones that I used to have. Anyways, it was untenable and they had to go. It was also kind of embarrassing. The shoes, though, I do actually really like. If you're wondering what all this stuff is, I'll tell you. I'll look it up. Okay, so um, the sandals, which were made fun of, were the Nike Canyon men's, which they do somehow look different on the picture than how they looked in real life. I will say that. And now that I'm seeing the picture, I'm like, why did I get rid of those? I I, I don't know. I, I thought they were kind of dorky in, in, like, a hiking way, but... Um, I thought I could pull it off, but uh, mentally I'm past the point of being able to pull that off here. <laughs> the shoes, though, which I do actually really like, they're the Nike Air Zoom Tempo Next men's. And they're the black and white because, you know, I like the Stormtrooper look. And those are actually really comfy. They have that weird, I don't know if you've bought, you know, like the Pegasus Zooms or there's several Nikes. They have this like really tapered kind of almost like a pointy heel and back. And, um, it's interesting. It's made for running. I don't know. Really. Can that make a difference for aerodynamics? I don't know, but you almost have to learn to walk a little bit differently. Uh, cause my wife did get the Pegasus zooms. Well, I actually picked them out for her. Isn't that funny? I picked out for her and she liked those, but she didn't like my pick for myself. But we were talking about like, you almost have to learn how to walk differently in these particular Nikes because they just feel kind of weird. Uh, and maybe it's just cause they're for running it and the absorbing of the impact and giving you that, you know, reloading, spring loading that energy return, you know, to get you running better, faster, more comfy. But, uh, but I'm impressed though. So there's the models in case you want to go look those up yourself and you'll see, right? The, the sandals aren't that weird or high schooly. Uh, here's something that I think will be of interest to people. I've kind of been preparing for this new iPad that's incoming, the iPad pro. I ordered basically the top of the line, I didn't get the 5G, so people called me out. They're like, well, you didn't really max it out if you didn't get the 5G, but I felt like I didn't need the 5G because I'm not going to be out all that much. Uh, and if I am, I can tether, but people call me out. So whatever. I guess it's not fully maxed out, although it's maxed out in all the ways that really matter to me, but we can bake her over uh, the labeling of, of you know how powerful it actually is, but I'm kind of preparing for it. So I've got a slate of content you know coming up for that. Of course, you guys can know what to expect probably before I even say it. I already did the a, a recent iPad apps video that make the iPad Pro worth owning, and that will probably continue to be true. Um, those apps will be great on the new iPad Pros, but I've really been ordering some things um, to prepare for a new iPad accessories video, and I'm not going to give away everything that's coming, but one thing that was new with the latest iOS and iPadOS update was being able to work with PS5 and Xbox Series X controllers. So I did grab one, and I surprised myself when I did the order because I usually default to Xbox stuff. I just, it's been a habit ever since college, maybe even before college. Like, I was always kind of, like, into Xbox. I was used to that shape and that controller. And um, and Xbox tended to have the games that I played more. And so I surprised myself. I got that new redesigned PS5 controller instead, which is funny because... I cannot get a PS5 itself, even if I wanted to, or an Xbox Series X, because I kind of looked into those too. It's been a long time since I covered gaming stuff on the channel for lots of reasons. Um, but if you go back, back in the day, uh, you know, some of the more popular videos were my PS4 and, and Xbox Series S uh, and a TV that, you know, went along well, paired well with those no, I got a lot of views with that content um, before I kind of mentally decided to switch over to mostly just covering an Apple-focused niche. I, I guess I'm going to say LG is going to be sending over their 75-inch um, C1 just, you know, TV. And so I was looking for ways to test that. And that'll I'll dip my toes into history there um, by covering that a little bit. Uh, so anyways, yeah, I, I've been out of the game world for a while. And 
you know, my brother-in-law was like, you can't get a PS five right now. And he has one. He's like always snagging this stuff, uh, before anybody else. And, you know, I was like, okay, that was like my gaming news, you know, from him. And then I went to actually look and I was like, no, you actually cannot get it. And you got websites being like, well, here was the latest drop. And here's when we might get a refresh at target or Walmart or Costco or whatever. And it's crazy. And I'm not going to go pay a thousand dollars on eBay for one. So, so yeah, but what I could get was the controller <laughs> and I did get that. And I've been testing it out, um, to the point where my wife's like, you're playing call of duty mobile again. I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, I got to test, you know, there's uh, this ongoing thing where she just, <laughs> she points out like once a month, like, well, didn't you just get like the dream job checking out all your favorite, you, you have to order this and that thing, you know, for the business. Well, yeah, you know, I, I do have to get it for the, for covering, uh, you know, on the channel. <laughs> it is, it's a nice job. And you know what, before I get back into this, I'm going to make a mental Kramer style reminder, like Kramer sets his alarm. Uh, to come back and finish the conversation about the PS5 controller because it's interesting and I've been having fun with it. But let me just address. I got a comment on the why I ordered the maxed out iPad or nearly maxed out iPad Pro video and someone was like, well, you're just a trust fund kid or what are you, a trust fund kid? Something. And I had like a little Twitter rant about it. That was very offensive. And I know people do, they try to offend. And for lots of reasons, we talk about this on the podcast sometimes. I feel like 99.999% of the comments that are negative is somebody having a bad day or they're rooted in jealousy. And for the stuff that isn't that, I take those critiques to heart. I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to improve the content. But somebody saying, oh, you're just a trust fund kid, that is not at all um, a useful critique. That is somebody who apparently has some jealousy issues. And I just want to remind people that no, um, my parents were not, you know, rich. I was very middle class. And when I started the business, I had absolutely, you know, no help, outside help. There was no funding, um, you know, and not to get into everything because I've told this story so many times. Uh, but I built, me and my wife built this business from the ground up, from scratch, we started it in 2012 and I'm so thankful that we're at the point where we're at right now where we can say, Hey, this new thing came out. Let's get this version of it because I think people will be interested in it. Um, and by the way, I'll use it obviously, but, but, but you know, it's a business. You guys got to remember that just like any business and we have expenses and, and this, this gets into, uh, what my wife was saying, like, well, how lucky for you, you know, that, it happens the expense is something that you would just love to have your hands on anyways. And yeah, but it's not just luck. I made this happen. We made this happen and it was a lot of hard work and we weren't always at this point. And, um, you know, I've, I really have covered this a lot in past episodes, so I don't want to rehash it, but that was offensive, but not really because it rolls off the back. But I just want people to know if you're new around here, that is not the situation at all. I couldn't be further from a trust fund kid and, I will just end with this rant with the Andy Minio quote that I also put out on Twitter. If you see somebody else getting theirs, don't get mad, get busy. And I think that's the end of the story. Okay, uh, the, the mental Kramer style alarm worked. I'm gonna get back to the PS5 controller. So I went and I downloaded um, several controller related games. I got Call of Duty Mobile, of course, cause that's like the go-to, right? Um, I got Fantasian, that's an Apple Arcade game with some really interesting graphics. Uh, not really my style of game, but but it's really interesting graphics and an interesting experience, so I had to try that out. I got Spider, another Apple Arcade game. I got Agent Intercept, another Apple Arcade. I got NBA 2K, uh, which is also, oh, 2K21, sorry. Sometimes, yeah, who knows what year it is. It's been a weird one. Um, but NBA 2K is like one of the best controller games, I would say, for sure, on the iPad and Asphalt 9. I think those are the test games that I've been testing out. You know, without getting into full-on review mode here, it just, it's been fun. I, I've spent the most time in Call of Duty. So, you know, there you go for Apple Arcade-related stuff. Um, they, you know, the best controller game, I think, still is is Call of Duty Mobile. I really find myself missing and wishing for Halo on on the iPad. Wouldn't that be cool if if we could get that, even if it was an older one? without, uh, you know, having to have an Xbox and then streaming it over because that really, what's the point of that? Um, so I've been spending a lot of time there. 
the rest of the games, I it's just not anything super compelling for me. I guess the the next one would probably be NBA 2K. There's something about like Call of Duty, the that sort of game. Number one, I can waste way too much time in. So after this video, I really should delete it. But it's just more intuitive to me. It comes natural. All the controls, I can just pick it up. Something like NBA 2K or Madden, like I played less of those, and so it's less muscle memory for me. What all the what's defense and what's pass and shoot and and just the nuances of the controls and I don't know. There's just something, even though it's competitive, because I do like the competitive uh, multiplayer. I really that's like my favorite thing. Um, but but I've been testing it out, and it was weird for me uh, not having the Xbox controller for a while, but I got kind of used to it. And, uh, you know, I feel like you miss out on some of the functionality with the PS4 or PS5, sorry, controller on the iPad with iPad OS and the iPad games. Sometimes the buttons don't map exactly correctly to what is said on screen, for instance, uh, but you kind of learn like what's what. But I've been using the 12.9 inch. This is obviously the 2020 or 2018, wherever I got this one. And it's been good. It's been fun. So I have like my desk set up and I've been testing this over in my chair with a little table I got to tell you guys about that table too. Another Kramer mental note. I'll try to hit that too because it's a tripod table. And so, you know, if I'm importing some content or something, you know, oh, I can take a break and like go hit uh, and do some gaming for 10 minutes or something while the card's importing. And it has been fun. And then, you know, you can pick it up. It's mobile. You can take it with you and, you know, on, in, on the couch or to the bed or wherever. And it's actually a pretty nice gaming system with the magic keyboard, I should say, as the stand. It's just, I find that there's a lack of really compelling and, and there's not the depth of titles that you would get with a console. And that's just the only thing really. And when I look at something like Google Stadia, I'm impressed technically by it, but it also doesn't have really the depth of games that I would really care to play or really want to play. It has like an old destiny. That's the only thing that maybe I could spend some time in out of that. So I feel like, there's so much potential here with the iPad, but I don't know what it's going to take uh, to make the gaming for, for, for the non-casual gaming. Like Apple's really latched onto and locking into, you know, the casual gamer and, and including audiences that weren't traditional gamers. And I get it. But for somebody who did come from like a, the Halo background, really liked all the Halo games, you know, there's just not a lot of depth. But I've been testing it and it's been fun. So I'll I'll talk more about it in the experience probably in my accessories video. Oh, okay. Hey, these uh, Kramer alerts, they they really work. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about Kramer from Seinfeld. I don't know who what age you are listening to this, but look up Kramer Mental Alarm on YouTube and you'll get it. Okay, so this this table I'm talking about, I think it's just called the tripod desk. I saw an ad for it on Instagram. The company, I reached out to them, I was like, hey, I'd like to cover this. It looks really cool. Um and they never got back and I just didn't want to order it because I was like, uh, I think it was like 350 bucks or something. I was like, I don't know. Maybe it's not worth getting. Um, but then later they reached out and they're like, hey, you know, we don't really work with YouTube people too much and we don't really know what's going on. And actually, I think I'm supposed to have a call with them that I forgot about. Um, hey, I'm only one Chris, right? And anyways, they, they ended up sending it and it is really cool. So it's, it's a piece of wood basically that they put a tripod mount on and then there's a tripod and that's, that's the whole thing here. And it's really cool because it's super light, it's portable and actually the, the top, the wood slab, it, it's not too big either. It has like these little brackets that stick up. So it's kind of like, it'll hold your, um, your Mac, it really, it's Mac thickness brackets. And it's kind of annoying when you're typing on your iPad because they kind of cut into your wrist a little bit if you don't turn it around. I've been turning it around. But those brackets keep your device from sliding off into your lap if you tilt it at an angle. It's really cool, though. I mean, because it's on a tripod, you can make a little standing desk out of it or you can use it when you're in a chair. It's just really adaptable, versatile, portable. And it's just fun to have... The ability to set up and, and work or game in this instance, I've been using it for that somewhere other than your desk, you know, uh, and it's just cool. So that's something that I'm going to be covering too in the upcoming iPad video, something to look forward to. I think this is going to be a good accessories video, some stuff that's just not obvious. And, you know, I'm always trying to find stuff that isn't obvious. If there's an accessory video, I try not to just include the Apple stuff, number one, because who doesn't know about that? Or I hate it when somebody says, 
uh, the best accessories for the iPhone. And it's like AirPods. Well, obviously, you know. And so that's why I, when it's apps or accessories, I try to dig really deep and not produce a video until I have several really interesting off the beaten path items like a tripod desk. Because if you go searching for iPad accessories, that's not going to show up. That's just something I was, I was like, oh, that would be cool for my iPad, you know? Okay. Um, as I am approaching the 43-minute mark, I'm trying to mentally figure out what else I want to talk about here because there's a lot. And by the time you actually get to listening to this, I bet it's only going to be like 30 minutes or something. I'm sure I'll have cut out a bunch of stuff. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the iPhone 12 Pro Max. The Apple sent over a review unit of the new purple iPhone 12. And so that will be featured in a video that I'll be talking about six months with my 12 Pro Max. And I'm going to do a comparison versus the 12. And, uh, you know, do I feel like I made the right decision slash, you know, which do you need a pro or, or can you just stick with, uh, the 12. And I think it'll be an interesting video with, you know, the same kind of uh, signature depth and density of these recent videos that you've seen in the last couple weeks. So if you're interested in my thoughts on the purple iPhone, you, you can see that. Or if you just want to see what it looks like, uh, you can see that. But I've been shooting a lot of video on the uh, 12 Pro Max lately, which is, of course, the reason I got it. You guys know I got a personal phone this year, and I got a, a, a business phone, and the business phone, I just treat it like a camera. It's not even a phone to me. It's a camera, and it was the 12 Pro Max, and if you want some examples of just how good the the footage can look, for the AirTags, you know, unboxing and, and testing video, all the shots around town, like I went downtown and, and tested it out, those shots were all done on the 12 Pro Max. And so you'll see some blurry background, some bokeh. You'll see how bright it is. And I shot in Filmic Pro um, just on the default color profile because I don't mess around with log usually with that. Again, because I'm just on Chris and I just don't have the time. But I am feeling like as I hear all the rumors um, for upcoming, you know, the iPhone 13, much less is there going to be a foldable iPhone in two years because Apple's slow rolling that rollout, <laughs> the unfolding is going slow. Um, I'm just really struck by by how enjoyable the footage is looking off of my 12 pro max which of course is different from just the regular pro something i talk about in the upcoming video because it has that bigger sensor it does also have um the the telephoto which gives you three times more optical zoom um, because it has five times optical zoom than the two times optical zoom on the 12 just the regular 12 but it's really that camera, the sensor size that was compelling for me as a creator. And I think a lot of reviews missed talking about it. And they said, well, it doesn't really make a difference in daytime photos. Uh, okay. But for video stuff, it's insane, especially in low light situations. I use it in the studio all the time. It's the first time I can really reliably use an iPhone as just any of my other cameras and put it in there with my Sony arsenal. I've got one, two, five Sony cameras right now and I sometimes if I need a sixth angle I will just drop that iPhone in or if it can just fit in a place that the others can't or if I need a, like a handheld view I use it I use it for b-roll all the time and when I go out like that's the camera that I take I, I you know some people it depends on who you are uh, try to get super cinematic and they're bringing their big camera rigs and stuff I often just just like a normal person would bring my iPhone uh, the business iPhone and, and shoot it. Like it's the camera, the go-to and it's really, really compelling. And if you haven't upgraded this year uh, and you're, you haven't experienced that Dolby vision video just on your iPhone screen, cause it's hard to get it to play anywhere else. Uh, of course, if you get the new Apple TV and you got the right TV, uh, you'll be able to, to view that on the new Apple TV. But I'm struck like several times a week when I'm scrolling through my photos and videos and it's like photo, photo and a video swipes over and it's shot in that Dolby Vision, just how bright and how good and how nice it looks. It's really, really awesome and compelling. And I talk about, you know, in this upcoming video, how that matters to me for memories because a moment is really just a flash and is gone. And if you're gonna be remembering it, it makes sense for me to remember it in as good of quality as possible. And that does matter to me. It doesn't to everybody, I know, you know. It's hard to show on a video, and, and a lot of people just have overlooked that sensor 
And a lot of people don't care because it's just video. And, and, you know, it does make a difference in nighttime photography as well. But uh, it's compelling and I, it really gets me excited for the future of Apple's Pro devices. I, I feel like Apple is really starting to distinguish when it comes to iPhones and iPads, make a, an actual difference other than size uh, with their Pro devices. Obviously, we saw that with the Pros this year uh, on the iPad line because of the screen being that mini LED insane screen. Can't wait to, t- to try that out. And we saw that a little bit with the iPhones, uh, with the telephoto lens, but I think more importantly with that bigger sensor. It's a 47% bigger sensor if you uh, if it's been a while since the event you don't remember. So I'm, I'm just excited about that and about the distinction between pro devices and just regular devices. I will say, I just want to touch on some of the books that I've been reading because um, if you want to know about Chris, there's, there's the two sides. You know, there's Tech Chris, and then there's like leisure, Chris, and, and the stuff that I do in my recreational time. Um, you know, and obviously some of that, I just talked about playing some some gaming, you know, they, that is like a small piece of it. But I've been spending a lot of time um, reading and listening to books. I really, I'm on the Audible plan where I get two books a month is not sponsored. And I use those two downloads every month. Sometimes I wish for three or four. And uh, I, I sometimes end up reading a, an old school book book, just like a paper book. And I do a lot of reading on my Kindle and I made a whole video about that. Just talking about, you know, reading on an iPhone or an iPad. I just, it's not very good for me because it's too distracting. You know, I can get into Twitter. I can start surfing around. I can, you know, look at the news. There's YouTube, but on the Kindle, it is a little more janky because is it janky or jankity? I never know. Different people pronounce it different ways, but you know what I mean? It's not the crisp, slick, sleek, experience that you get on an iOS device. Um, but yet it's compelling because it's dedicated to reading and I can go in, I can highlight and that's just what I need to do. And I do, I highlight like crazy. And sometimes I feel like, uh, audible is the better way to consume stuff or audio. And sometimes I feel like it's the text. If it's really important to me, I will read it because then I can highlight and I'll put it on the Kindle because it's just the easiest to highlight. As far as subject matter though, I really tend to uh, enjoy philosophical stuff, uh, science stuff and theology stuff. If you've been around for a while, you know I did like a special episode talking about my worldview, why I'm not an atheist. And there's just a fascinating new book out by a guy named Stephen Meyer. It's called Return of the God Hypothesis. And it kind of starts at the beginning of, of science and talks about uh, why then and why there, <laughs> talking about who and, and in what environment science kind of arose, modern science as we think of it, and how things kind of change from the Aristotelian um, you know, way of looking at the natural world uh, to this more, what morphs into you know, the science that we know of today where you, you really test things. Everything that's really of interest to me in terms of matter, space, time, energy, how did it get here? How did it originate? How did life uh, arise? Is abiogenesis or uh, life arising from no life? You know, how could that have happened? Is there a mind behind the universe? Why is the universe so mind compatible? You know, what are numbers? Why can we measure things like the law of gravity or the cosmological constant with numbers and equations. And, and as humans, we can understand those things. We didn't invent those things. They're just there. Why? Why is it so mind-like? Uh, you know, uh, Richard Dawkins um, and, and other uh, popular new atheist, you know, type of, they, they want you to say they're just scientists, but, you know, really at the end of the day, they're scientistic, meaning that science uh, is kind of like a religion to them, even though there's plenty of things that science cannot measure, like justice, love, anything without matter that is real um, cannot be put in a vial. Uh, you know, science, it can't measure that kind of stuff, quantify it in the same way that it can other things. But, it, you know, the book gets into um, the theory of panspermia, like did aliens see life on the planet? Or no, did it have to be something outside matter, space, time, and energy? So not within the, the universe. Otherwise, it would have been created too not an alien, in other words, that had to create everything, including life. It's very, very fascinating stuff to me. It gets into uh, the theories of the multiverse, string theory. It gets into uh, DNA and the, the code 
that's within our DNA. It's like a computer program. Of course, Bill Gates uh, is famous for saying that our DNA is like a computer program, but way more complicated than anything that we've ever made. So like, where did that information come from? This, this is the information. Enigma. Like these are topics that scientists think about and have are trying to understand, you know, where did that information within DNA come from that codes the proteins that makes them fold a certain way? It's like instructions. It gets into probabilities. Uh, what is the probability that life arose from nothing? It talks about evolution, of course. And by evolution, many things can be meant, you know, macro versus micro evolution. Obviously, you know, you can see uh, in like bird beaks, for, for instance, micro changes, you know, the ability to adapt. But is that just the design? Um, because what you don't see are huge changes uh, in terms of one species morphing into another, like it's always claimed that whales are the best example of evolution in action. Well, are they really? And if any of this is of interest to you, uh, if it's not of interest, please ignore. But I just want you guys to know like, oh, well, Chris has other interests and this is one of those interests. Uh, and if this is at all intriguing, you can go back and see that OMG, he's a creationist episode and listen to me talk for two hours uh, about more of this stuff. Uh, but it just gets into like a God of the gaps versus the science of the gaps kind of philosophy. And it just how ridiculous it is to say that science and uh, religion are at war with each other. And, and um, this whole new atheist uh, kind of militant mindset. And the reason why I feel free to talk about this is because I see a lot of people in tech space talking about and endorsing different interesting worldviews and, um, you know, it's not about politics for me. It's just about, you know, just big questions. Like, is there such a thing as truth? And what is it rooted in? And, and does it matter? Like, truth, does it matter? A lot of people, I feel like, you know, they feel like truth doesn't matter. Or there's no such thing as objective truth. And everything is just relative. What, what, whatever works, you know, for them, as long as it's not hurting somebody. But at the end of the day, is there such a thing of truth? What is it rooted in? And why? Why are we here? Why is there something rather than nothing? Did math actually just create the universe like Stephen Hawking says? Or, you know, he, he, if you spend a little time thinking about it, like Hawking says, uh, because the law of gravity exists, that's why we have something rather than nothing. Well, where did that law of gravity come from? That's not nothing. And when people get into, you know, Hawking stuff a little bit more and talk about the, the multiverse and the curvature of space and time, you have to understand, and a lot of people don't, the way that he gets rid of the singularity and the Big Bang, which is he's one of the big proponents for saying, hey, there was a singularity when you compact, uh, reverse the Big Bang, matter, space, time, and energy compacts and space curves so tightly. The way that Hawking tries to get rid of the singularity that he actually was a big proponent of uh, originally, you know, talking about the Big Bang, we, we have... Um, the red wavelength of light stretching out, which tells scientists, hey, there was a beginning and things have been expanding since then. And there's all these different theories. The steady state theory kind of went out of vogue and out of fashion where, you know, uh, the universe has just always been there. So maybe there was no uh, creation event. Well, you know, then we had this uh, red shift that was discovered and people kind of backwards extrapolated that things uh, went back in time and compacted and there was a beginning and Hawking was talking about the singularity that would have been there at the beginning. Uh, but, but then later he didn't like the implication. So he was set about um, trying to, you know, come up with a mathematical possibility for um, getting rid of the singularity, getting rid of the, the start of everything um, and, and the implications that things were created. And the way that he does it mathematically is using imaginary numbers and without, you know, getting into the whole thing, I'm fascinated by numbers. I've never really been super into math, uh, but I'm fascinated. You know, imaginary numbers are a useful tool for mathematicians, but usually you translate something into those imaginary numbers to get the, the mathematical heavy lifting done. Then you retranslate it back into the real world for the real result. Well, when you retranslate that back into the real world, you, you get the singularity again. I know I'm going way off the deep end here, but this is the stuff that that I think about and enjoy thinking about. So it's only in that imaginary number space where you get rid of that singularity, when you get rid of the beginning. So when you see the scientific establishment saying there's no reason for, for a, a creation to have happened, you, you just have to take it with a grain of salt. 
there's deeper thinking to be done, honestly. When, when you hear Neil deGrasse Tyson, uh, when you hear Bill Nye the Science Guy, when you hear Sam Harris, Richard Dawkins, making these declarations, these philosophical declarations that really have nothing to do with science, uh, but really just are backing up their preferred worldview. You just, you should know there's more thinking to be done. And so anyways, I've really been diving deep into that and some other similar books. I've also been reading some Star Wars. There's a new Thrawn book out. I've kind of been following the Thrawn uh, trilogy. Uh, I have dipped into the Michael J. Fox book, the latest one. Uh, Me and my wife have been listening to that uh, while we do some exercise. And, uh, you know, that's been interesting, different. So uh, also, I just didn't want everyone to be like, oh, well, I don't know what Chris does in his free time. He just games. No, 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 no. Um, I do spend some time thinking about uh, heavy, deep uh, things. And that, that honestly really fascinates me. I spend a lot of time in that realm to the point where like, I've almost considered making a whole nother podcast about that. But again, I'm just one Chris, but I'm really passionate uh, about it. So, all right. I did ask for a few questions. Uh, and so on Twitter and on uh, YouTube, on the community tab. So let's see, let's see if we got any questions here. Uh, James asked to spill the beans on everything I know about the upcoming MacBook Pro 14 inch and the bigger iMac model. Um, honestly, I, I don't know a whole lot about that. I just know the speculation that everybody has been seeing, uh, in terms of, you know, maybe these are going to be where the M one X or the M two chips debut, and maybe they'll be coming at WWDC and maybe we're going to have some white bezels and maybe we'll get some colors uh, on some of the other Macs, not just the iMacs. It's just total uh, speculation for me. I, I have no inside information there, but I'm just as curious as anybody because I think I'm probably either going to pick up that 14, MacBook Pro 14 or 16. But then, you know, it depends what those iMacs look like. I, I don't have a problem with the iMac design, with the chin, with the colors, any of it. Uh, it's just also not the thing that I maybe would want sitting on my desk just because of the form factor. I really have gotten into ultra-wides, and I really wish Apple would come out with an ultra-wide iMac or an ultra-wide external display, you know, that you could hook up uh, with that signature Apple look. I'd hate to see the signature Apple price on that, but... Uh, Fernando asks, your most underrated Apple or iPad accessory that no one really talks about. Hmm, that's tough. Uh, I don't think... There's so many I could give... Uh, probably, but I I do want to save some uh, for this upcoming video. One thing though, I think is the charging situation. I I think as people's devices proliferate uh, and there's just more and more things to charge and it stacks up over the years as people upgrade, they have some old devices and stuff and, you know, multiple family members having multiple devices. I think one of the key things is a multi-device charger that has the slats for multiple iPads there's a really great one from Sateki that I've been testing. I forget the model number, but um, that'll probably be in an upcoming video. Uh, it's got a spot for, and I, I've had this on my desk here for the last couple of weeks, and I've really been liking it because it's got a spot to wirelessly charge with G charging my iPhone 12 Pro Max. And then it's got several bays um, where I can slot in a couple of iPads because I do use a lot of iPads. I got two iPads that are older iPads, non-pro iPads that I use to monitor my video content on my desk down in the studio. I've got my actual pro that I use uh, just on like a day-to-day basis. And, you know, I've got my business phone. I've got a few things like around that I need to charge. And it's nice to have a hub that can charge everything. And so I think that's pretty crucial and key, but it's not like a really interesting thing. It's more of utilitarian. So I think it probably doesn't get a whole lot of attention uh, versus other iPad accessories. And certainly, I don't think it would get a whole lot of clicks if you're like multi-device iPad charger uh, as a main feature for, you know, a video, but it's, it's important and it's useful. And it's one of the things that I use every day sitting there right on my desk. Johnny says what Thunderbolt three SSD to buy for his 2021 iPad pro 12.9 inch. That is a good question. I'm going to stick a pin in that though, because I'm curious about that myself and I'm doing some research and I need some new external storage anyways. So I'm actively researching that thinking about it. And so in some form or another, whether it's on the, the video or on the podcast or just on Twitter, I will be talking about that. Um, but I don't know yet because I'm looking myself and a lot of the solutions seem to be old. And that's why I haven't pulled the trigger uh, on something. I'm looking for something that's new, that's a little bit more cutting edge and isn't just a lot of the stuff people have been recommending to me 
is a couple of years old. It already feels like a little bit outdated, but I just haven't found something newer that's better. So, so I'll get back to you on that somehow. Nigel says, what's my take on AirPods Max right now? I, I honestly, I really, really love them. I use them all the time. And here's the thing. Uh, I had to get another pair of my AirPods Pros uh, the other day because as a video creator, I can't wear the AirPods Max uh, in the mornings because I usually write my script, do my research, and go film before lunch if I can. And uh, I can't mess up my hair before I get in because if I put that on, it's just going to flat flatten the hair. It's just going to look awful. Not like it looks amazing anyways. I got a haircut comment the other day. It's weird. If any given thing, someone's going to have a positive and negative take on it. Someone's like, your haircut's so out of date. It's so 2000s. And uh, somebody else is like, hey, really like really like the haircut. <laughs> but anyways, uh, it would look terrible if it was all smashed down uh, due to the, the big wide band on the AirPods Max. But here's my honest assessment. I really like those. And, and by the way, the reason that I got the uh, AirPods Pros again was because my old ones, and now tw- I've had two pairs that crackled on me and were unusable, but I was like, there's nothing else better. I've used uh, some LG wireless earbuds. I've used the Pixel Buds. I've tried a whole bunch, uh, some sound cores, and I, nothing, just nothing is as good. It really isn't. They're workable, and if you get them, you know, you can use them, but just nothing is as good as the AirPods Pro. So I got those for the mornings uh, when I can't use the Macs, but if I could, I would use the Macs all the time. So they've become like my afternoon thing, and I've been using those when I'm gaming too. Uh, they're just incredible. I, I really, really enjoy them for all the reasons that I said in my review, and I've managed to keep my white and silver ones nice and clean. I saw a lot of people saying, uh, you know, they, were, they weren't just worried. Like they were getting their white, uh, headband really dirty. I don't know how that happened because that does not happen for me. I've kept them in just good shape. And actually, I got a really cool new uh, case. Oh, who's it from? Got the Bison logo. Oh, Blackbrook. Blackbrookcase.com. The Danny Leather AirPods Max protective case. Uh, got it. Really like it. Um, what's cool about it is it doesn't look like the bra slash purse, which honestly is not a huge deal for me but everyone makes fun of it, but, but it's a nice leather case and it has some magnets inside that put your AirPods max into the low power mode, which is great. And it also has some extra storage. So you can store, if you have the, uh, the three and a half millimeter adapter cord, you know, to lightning, you can store that in there. Uh, you can stick an air tag in there, you know? Uh, so yeah, yeah. Really been liking them. I have really just nothing bad to say about them. Obviously they're, they're really expensive. I did buy them. It was not a review unit, but for me, They've been really worth it. Um, I love the noise canceling. I love the fit. Some people say they're uncomfortable. I haven't had that at all. So I could probably rant and rave all day. Uh, let's just say I have no problems with them and I'm really loving them. And at some point I, I may do a follow-up video on that too. Although it's uh, the, the the original review didn't get a ton of views because I just think uh, Apple priced themselves out of most people's market. And so there's just fewer people interested in them uh, than an iPad, for instance. Um, James says, how does AirTag work on pre-iPhone 11 non-U1 chip iPhones? What's the experience like? Um, I've had some people complaining and, and telling me, you know, they're, they're not able to use the precision finding and, and that's too bad. And I guess in a nutshell, it's better than nothing, you know, to just have the basic set of data. But it's it's a hard sell, I think, because that precision finding is so useful. It just depends. Like it depends. Are you, are you wanting an air tag for like I talked about in my recent unboxing for that one time a year when it's like really going to matter and you accidentally left your backpack at the coffee shop or wherever, you know, and, and it, it's critical that you know where it is or, and, and, and if that case, you know, then it's fine to, to get it and use it on uh, an iPhone without, you know, the proper chip or, you know, is your use case more like you do lose stuff around the house? And, you know, then it's hard not to have the precision finding, which is really, really cool. It really is. So I guess it just depends. It's like peace of mind. It's kind of almost like an insurance policy in a way because you'll at least have a shot at finding that lost thing the one time every year or two years that it actually matters. But obviously, I mean, it's not as good of an experience. 
Wow. I asked for questions on the community tab three hours ago. We got several. Uh, I'll try to hit these pretty quickly here. And I'm realizing, you know, um, in my time, it's one hour and 15 minutes into the podcast. And so I'm sure it'll be only like 40 minutes for you guys or something at this point because I've cut so much out. But this is going longer than usual, which hopefully is good. I, I like it when there's a podcast that I like and it's longer than just like 15 minutes. Okay. Paul says, what happened to Apple Hype? We covered that. Colby says, do I expect the redesigned MacBook Pros to be released at WWDC? I'd say from what I've heard, there's a decent chance. Mark says, what helped you succeed at YouTube? Um, the only thing is persistence and perseverance because you persist and you you keep at it when nobody's watching and you learn and you get better and uh, and that's it. Just showing up consistently and improving and that's what matters. Basically, not giving up because if you don't give up, you will uh, be able to crack the code of success eventually. And I don't think YouTube is so crowded that you can't break in. I see young tech channels all the time um, with some breakout content. So it's just a matter of learning uh, and staying at it long enough. And if you're passionate enough to do that, you can succeed. Andrew says, what features do I want to see in iPadOS 15? Um, I mean, I've covered this many times. The main thing is proper external display support, maybe some better multitasking, and absolutely pro apps if it can happen. Weave Pap says, any features you'd like to see in the next Mac OS update? That's more interesting, and I haven't put as much thought into that. I, I think a, a lot of what we might see from Mac OS might be along the lines of Catalyst stuff, like Catalyst version of messages, or I think we might see some of the stuff that we got in iOS 14 um, come to the Mac. Other than that, I don't know. Uh, and I'll be excited to see. Uh, Stasis Field says, this might be a daft question, no such thing, but do you think for the rest of the MacBook lineup, the Pro 16-inch, for instance, will it end up with just a fan or two? Or that there might be a chance that we could see down the line dynamic fans where if you're doing something actually taxing it would kick the fans on as opposed to always running the fans well i think i think we more or less have that dynamic uh you know fan function now you know for the 16 inch that i have right now you know it spins up the fans as needed when i'm really taxing it with final cut pro and they're off when i'm just typing it would really be cool though uh to see what the cooling is going to shape up to be with like an M2 chip, for instance, because a lot of the work that's being done on Macs by pro people right now who couldn't wait for, you know, the next 14 or 16 inch or an iMac pro or something. Uh, you know, a lot of people have been using the, the Mac mini with the M1 and for, for pro stuff. And just, they talk about how quiet it is right now. And that's on the M1. So I do expect absolutely the next generations of, of the more powerful Macs to be, nice and quiet maybe not purely quiet but you know um what did they say recently it, it'd probably be quieter than like a feather falling and dropping uh if it does need to cool because it's just so efficient all right aman says should i buy a uh, macbook air m1 now or wait for next year's m1x or m2 uh you know it depends are you doing anything that's super super taxing uh or are you like a student you know, most people could buy the M1 right now if they need it and be very happy, even into the future. So if you need it now, just just get it now. But that said, you know, if you can wait, I, I'm waiting. I, that's all I can tell you because I don't know everyone's personal circumstances. People ask me all the time, what should I get? I, I don't know. It's really hard because I'm not you. I can tell you I'm waiting. I got the 16-inch MacBook Pro right now, uh, and I'm waiting for the next chip to come out for what it's worth. Uh, Lewis says, what's the best keyboard with the backlight? Mm, that's a tough one because there's so many keyboards that I enjoy. Uh, if you're on the iPad, I love the Magic Keyboard. Oh, so good for typing. It does have some flaws, but the typing experience is amazing. I really like um, the Logitech MX Keys. If you're talking about Mac stuff, uh, that's very satisfying. It's a, it's a softer typing experience. You know, it's not like a mechanical keyboard. There's not a whole lot of punch, but it's comfortable. It's likable. I like it. Um, that would probably be my top recommendation. Uh, somebody says, this is Junior, uh, is the iPad Air 4 more than enough to play Xbox Game Pass, xCloud, or should one throw in a couple more dollars and get the new iPad Pro? Well, I think it's probably more than enough. Um, but that said, it will probably be more enjoyable with the new mini LED screen if you're talking about the 
I will do some testing though when I get it. So I don't know how long you're, you're going to be able to wait and I'll see how much of a difference that screen makes for anything in terms of power though. I, I think you can do it. It's not incredibly taxing. I don't think, um, graphically. And, and by the way, you know, the, the air is pretty capable, you know, it was benching benchmarking right up there with last model of the iPad pro. So I, I think you'd be fine with the air, but I, I do think you'd enjoy it more probably and further into the future with the pro streamlined says I want an iPad kickstand so bad like the surface pro would Apple ever do it why haven't they yet is it just wait I think they're probably just leaving it to the aftermarket you know third-party accessories I will say this I've been thinking a lot about the iPad and it's it's form and accessories because you know I this is kind of related I wish that they had moved the camera from what amounts to being the left side when you have it mounted on uh, a magic keyboard up to what's for me predominantly the top, which is the side, I guess, from where the camera is right now when you have it on a magic keyboard. Because most of the time I'm using it horizontally. That change didn't happen this year. I I think maybe it could in the future, but Apple wasn't really, this was largely an internal update with the iPad Pros this year. And I think any big changes whether it's, you know, going to be kickstand type of thing or whether it's going to be, you know, moving the camera, any actual industrial design changes are probably going to happen with the next version. This was, you know, there's a TikTok cycle. Sometimes it's a big update. Sometimes it's just an internal update. And this was the internal. So as we swing the pendulum back, I think we'll see, you know, a a bigger change coming to the actual design. What that means though, I have no idea. And why wouldn't they do that? I think Apple does you know, why did we get the chin on, on the Mac, the iMacs? A lot of people are saying, Hey, because it's, it distinguishes it from other computers. And why do we still have the notch? Because there's an argument to be made that it's very Apple and people know it's Apple. So it's like a branding thing. And I think Apple is very aware of, you know, visually having their own thing and not just copying, uh, what's out there. And, but at the same time, if they feel like something is really working, you hear all the rumors about Apple just, you know, thinking hard about, you know, releasing a foldable iPhone in two years in 2023 um, when we've had Huawei and Samsung out here doing it already. Because if they see traction out there, they do play it slow and come out with the Apple version of it. So it's possible. I have no inside info on it, but I don't think you'd see any major hardware changes built in until the next version. Okay. I've had a nitro coffee. Honestly, I feel like I could double or triple the length of this podcast, but uh, I think that's a good spot to wrap it up. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this. I felt like we got to cover all kinds of things and it was a good um, balance and break from just, uh, you know, all the hardcore spec talk and comparison talk and review talk over on the channel. So uh, thanks for hanging out and I'll catch you guys in the next one. And give me some feedback. If you hit me up on Twitter and just tell me what you're thinking about the podcast. And I'll catch you guys in the next one. Later.